Good evening, Cowboys and Cowgirls. Welcome to the newest Cowboys Ride for Free podcast, Ingles and Ian. With me, your host, Jacob Ingles, and my co-host, Ian Nickel. How are you doing today, man? Oh, man. I'm glad it's almost the weekend. I'm so excited to start doing this podcast with you. Um, ready for a lot of fun, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, you're still in Stillwater, right? Yeah. Still a student. Still a student. Sophomore right now. But, uh, yeah, just living it up. Those bars get hopping on the weekends, man. Yeah, I don't I don't go toward them. I'm not a big partier. Uh, <laughs> I went a couple of times to like Coney when it was like an 18 plus bar because I'm only I'm only 20. So now they made it 21 plus because of some uh, some people like you I mean, who are drinking too hard. No, 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 no. I don't drink. I, I, I actually don't drink. Um, so it's other people. <laughs> <laughs> so we were supposed to start this podcast on Monday, but I have been under the weather. So next time you hear me, I will hopefully sound better, uh, but I have still been coughing a lot. But when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thankfully, not the COVID, got tested, negative. So, but man, we got to talk about that Tulsa game. Oh, just so brutal. <laughs> I think, I think we all thought that OSU would come out a lot better out the gate with Spencer Sanders coming back. I mean, the defense looked fine, but. The defense looks amazing. I mean, they're, they're putting yeah. up some numbers. They are, but you look at, you look at the score, you're like, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't great at all. Right. And that's a hard thing for me. You know, so I've been an Oklahoma State fan since I was about 16. That's when my family moved to Stillwater. My dad started teaching there. And, you know, once Gundy took over, if we don't score 35 or 40, something's wrong. In the last season and two games, we've been scoring like 27. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? And like, even who Mike Yersich, who drove me insane with his play calling he still managed to average 40 plus with you know corn dog no knock against corn dog but he's not nearly as talented as spencer sanders was uh, they keep telling us the offensive line's better and it's not and i just don't know what's going on i've never seen like gundy's always said he aims for five yards of carry from his run game and right now we're averaging three and i have just no idea what's going on yeah no it's really interesting because the um spencer sanders you know has 173 yards. That's what he threw against uh, against Tulsa. 15 to 26, two touchdowns, one interception. And then you, you know, you're hoping the running game can kind of, you know, push the edge a little bit, you know, make up for Sanders' lack of throws. But then they get, they get 43 attempts and 140 yards. That's, that's insane. That's bad. That's really bad. And then, like, part of me wonders, like, is is Dunn the right guy? Did we finally miss on an OC? Is the offensive line not as good as we're used to? I don't know if we've, I haven't had a chance to look like, did we lose an offensive line coach recently? And that's why it's been bad. I know there's some injuries we've lost and we also lost, uh, you know, the, le- uh, the left tackle to the NFL draft and everything else. But still, I mean, I just don't know what's going on. This does not look like the Oklahoma State I've been cheering for for 20 years. This is outside of the realm of possibility in my mind that they can be this inept on off. I mean, straight up, they look like a big 10 team. They, they look like 
a Wisconsin right now. They look like Penn State in week one. Uh, it's not a site that at least Wisconsin can run this football. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like point wise. Yeah, point wise, they're putting up they're putting up Big Ten numbers, and, yeah, and Wisconsin can't run the ball. And I think OSU is capable of running the ball too, but it's just like, dude, the, something is up, and I don't know if it's done. I don't know if it's Gundy being a control freak because I think that's a theory that's been floating around there. But whatever's happening, the offense isn't isn't working. And then you have to consider: Is Spencer Sanders just an average quarterback? Like, is he going to hit that ceiling that we think he can? I'm kind of leaning toward no. I think around here is a ceiling. I don't think that is. Tr- He's had too many good games to where I don't think that like 173 for yards is like his max like he's throwing up some big numbers uh you know done a lot with his legs you know and that's something that oklahoma state quarterbacks really haven't done a lot i mean walsh did it some but not like sanders can i mean he's a great athlete but he's he's still making bad decisions and that's i think that's going to be one of the killers like he made you know, last year against Texas, he made some terrible decisions. And I was hoping that, yeah, it's a new offensive coordinator, COVID year, full off season with Don, you know, hopefully that all works out, but it just doesn't seem to be working out. And like, I'm not, I got nothing against Illingsworth, but like, he's no better. I, I think he's in talent wise, he's definitely not as good as Sanders. And I think um, when the crowd, I went to the game, when the crowd chanted, we want Shane, I thought that was the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. I just think that, like, A, you're not providing any confidence to Sanders. B, Span- Sanders knows he plays bad. And then, three, did you see what Illingsworth did against Missouri State? Not much better. It's Missouri State. It's an FCS team. Granted, it's a weird FCS team where, like, all their starters mm-hmm. are, like, former FBS, but still. And I think it's going to be one of the weird things, harsh segue, but one of those weird things we're going to see going forward is we're used to seeing programs build up into good like being good but with like transfer portal and stuff like there's no reason a boise state can't go from like 500 in the mountain west to top 10 team if they get the right transfer like uh, same with oklahoma state same with like some of these we've seen a lot of fcs teams win you know what jacksonville state beat florida state last weekend Mm -hmm. there's been a lot more than normal winning uh, in the first two weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think just in general because of, A, those transfers and then the super seniors that have come mm-hmm. back for several teams, it's made it's made college football a little more competitive, especially when it comes to those five teams and, you know, the FCS. I think those are helping a lot. <laughs> especially with the super seniors, you know, yeah, a Jacksonville State isn't going to have as nice of a weight room as, like, Oklahoma State will, but it's going to be nice enough. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sport nutrition being what it is, there's a really big gap between a 23, 24 year old and a 20 year old just in physical conditioning and how big you can. And I think that's what you're seeing a lot is you're starting to see some dudes who should have been out of school two years ago who aren't because of COVID and are just beasts compared to a lot of their uh, FBS opponents. I I agree with that 100 percent. And you you brought up Boise State and that's. A, I think it's one of the top 10 games of the weekend. And then B, this is a do-or-die game for Oklahoma State. I think this determines a lot of the season. If they don't turn around, this season's going to look like a wash. Right. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, it's a really interesting matchup. You know, uh, Boise State and Oklahoma State have been sort of kind of seen as like 
sister programs in a lot of ways. They sort of came up at the same time, high flying offenses when we had one, uh, you know, lots of really, I mean, Boise States, they've turned out some really big coaches. They've gone other places. Gundy State, that's one, you know, uh, some of the best uniforms in college football. I love that ice white. Uh, Boise State helmet with that chromed horse on the side. That is one of the sexiest helmets in all of college football. I will fight you. That is just, it is gorgeous. Uh, That's a very nice helmet. Yeah. That is. <laughs> yeah, you know, they got the Smurf turf and all that craziness. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very unique program. And you look at where Chris Peterson took them, you know, from, you know, an FCS school to an eventual Fiesta Bowl champion. I think they've won it three times. So Yeah, the best one will always be when they beat Oklahoma. Oh man. I was I was like six when that when okay. that game happened. So all I saw was like awesome. highlights. I didn't watch that. I'm sorry. I didn't watch I was, uh, that was 2007. So that was Christmas break senior year of college for me. And wow. like I was home from school for, for break and we for me and my dad flipping through games like ah oh, we'll just watch the end of it. it's like Boise was down by like twenty in the fourth quarter and next thing you know they start rounding off things and all of a sudden it's the the hook and ladder and the Statue of Liberty and like it was just like we were like losing our minds because <laughs> like. I don't know. I might enjoy watching Oklahoma lose more than I like watching Oklahoma State win. Like, it's it's close for me. Yeah, I, I mean, OU losses are pretty rare nowadays, so whenever they can it's lose, it's rare always nice. For the most part, but it's uh, pretty rare. It's, it's exceptional. Wow. Like, 2014 Bedlam, that was great. Yes, it, it definitely was, and hopefully they can get a... Ah, who am I kidding? They probably won't. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Boise State for a little bit. Um, they played UCF in a nice... Thursday night thriller to open this and lost 36 to 31, but they had a 100 yard interception return on Dylan Gabriel. So they can, uh, they can force turnovers. And against UTEP, they forced six against UTEP wow. in a 54 to 13, just beat down. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't catch those numbers. It feels like we're going to have like a 12 to 13 game. <laughs> Cause like, because they're not doing anything on the ground either. I think they're averaging worse per rush. They're re- averaging like 2.2 yards per attempt on the ground right now. Per game, it is 70.5 yards rushing per game. But um, to- in total passing yards, it's uh, 301.5. Yeah. Compared to Oklahoma State, it's uh, 244 yards per game passing, 97 rushing. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But they haven't come up like – our secondary is elite. I mean, they're they're probably the best secondary, at least top ten in the country, right? And then also, yeah. Boise State is terrible on third down. They only convert like one in three, like thirty three, like thirty three percent on the year, uh, which is really bad. So like, that is it's gonna. It feels like rock meat hard place for the off for both offenses right now. It's like is is Sander going to throw three picks? Are they going to throw three? Pr- three picks i don't know it's it's all over the place you brought up their fourth down efficiency four for 14 against ucf and then five of 13 against utep so therefore their third down percentage is not that great yeah it's... and then you also take a look at their penalties they had seven against utep and then six against uh, ucf so and they also they also have a hard time with uh, the possession battle 
They didn't win the possession battle, the time of possession battle against UCF, and then they uh, they barely they squeaked by with uh, by 13 seconds against UTEP. So Boise State is a really good team, but they also have their vulnerabilities. Yeah, I mean they're a score score fast kind of team. Uh, you know that's how Oakland State used to be. They used to lose the time of possession two to one and still put up 50 plus points just because they were just super hyper tempo. I mean, it, it feels weird watching these, like the team the last two years is, you know, even through Rudolph and Corndog, like they were snapping it as fast as anybody in the country. Now it feels like they've like slowed down a lot. And I don't understand, I don't know if that's play calling, if that's a new direction in coaching, I don't know. But I mean, it's obvious that Boise State is a, you know, tempo team. That they're, they're just trying to throw the ball over the yard, you know, get mismatches, find people in space. You know, basically what Oklahoma State is known for doing, they're going to try and do to us. I'll tell you this. I mean, their their defense doesn't look too sharp. I mentioned the turnover battle, but when you look at yards allowed, it's uh, it's 454.5. Oklahoma State gives up about 113 yards less, but they also have scored more. Uh, compared to Oklahoma State, 42.5 points per game in the two games that they played, OSU 25 and a half. Yeah. And then you look at it, it worries me a little bit because if it goes to a shootout, I don't know if Oklahoma State can keep up based off what I've seen. But it's also up to the defense to prevent that from happening. But I think the defense can only do so much. That worries me about this Oklahoma State team. Like if they can't score, obviously the game's over because you need the most points wins. Yeah, that's generally how football works. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, like, even with last year, they, you know, the defense kept them in a lot of games, and it's obvious they can put up point. And the O line theoretically is better than last year. Grant, we don't have Chuba, and we're missing weapons on the outside. So maybe some of that's a gel thing. So I really would have liked to have seen Sanders on his second game. Uh, last week, you know, trying to get an idea because he is learning a lot of new people. You know, he's had safety blankets all over the place, you know, on at wide receiver and running back. And, you know, now it's this time to lead where he hasn't maybe hasn't had to be the leader yet. And so I kind of wonder, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot is one Sanders from, I mean, from what I can tell, tends to play good on the road. Something about that hostile environment gets him going. And, it also, it's going to be really interesting to see how the team responds to their first road trip. A lot of young receivers. Are they going to be able to get the communication down? You know, BYU probably feel, BYU, Boise, BSU, probably feel snubbed. They didn't get an invite to the Big 12. So, you know, those fans are going to be rocking, you know, Saturday night. They're going to be liquored up. It's going to be nuts there on the Smurf turf. And I don't know. I think it's going to be. It, uh, like you said, it's going to be a telling game. Like, I mean, do they have a chance for the college football playoff, even if they run the table from here on out? Probably not, just with how everything goes. But if they show up and win, especially win, um, I think there's a good chance that they, they take that rolling forward. Going into the Big 12 play, you know, Sanders is feeling good. He's feeling comfortable. And, you know, that first road game of the season is always a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is this is either like makes or kills momentum, and it's it's that simple. Um, if you win big, that carries a lot of weight going into Kansas State, who they also take on a uh, Mountain West team in Nevada. That game's interesting to me. Um, but 
who who do you, do you have any players to watch for uh, for Boise State? Because um, I'm looking at the quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback is always a big deal. I'm really interested to see the defense. Um, you know, I don't I don't know their uh, their offensive weapons, but like you said, they're they're putting up a lot of turnovers, and I'm wondering if that is just a lucky streak or if that's it's going to be really interesting to see how the secondary plays our wide receivers to see if they're scheming those picks or if it's more of just a they just really opportunity well they had a guy uh Tyrick LaBeouf who had a I hope I said that right but he had two interceptions in the UCF game one was for the uh the touch for a, a pick six 100 yard pick six and then they had they had no interceptions or did they no, they had three interceptions against UTEP. So their corners are going to be very hungry. Um, you look at Tyreek Jones and you look at Say Oladipo. I believe he's a he, he's a safety, freshman safety. So they got they got playmakers in the secondary that I think Sanders should be weary of, especially since he gave up that pick six to Justin Wright against Tulsa. Well, I mean, yes, and that was a terrible decision. Like I don't know he who he was throwing to there, but. But the thing with Sanders, he's got the arm to beat. And if corners are jumping and he's on and not overthrowing, because we saw two bad over against Tulsa, which he did early last season and reined in. You know, I think part of his was, I think part of it was just first game jitters for him. Uh, I mean, you think about it, he basically went an entire season without playing in front of fans. Like, I, I do wonder how that COVID season will be affecting players. And I don't know if it's just me, but watching games this year, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of like people having to call timeouts because they can't get to play it or offsides or offensive linemen jump in. Like I can tell people aren't used to the noise that, you know, a place like especially Boone Pickens brings. And I, I haven't I, had a chance to look at the numbers if like, you know, those kind of penalties are up, but it feels like they are. I agree. I uh, I think that it's benefiting the defenses. I think I feel like we've seen a lot more defensive battles and a lot of lower score scoring games because of it. So I, that is something to keep an eye on. I have this game. Um, I don't know if we're gonna get into our predictions, but I got this game pretty low scoring. I do too. Um, I mean, I'm more than happy to give mine. I I think Oklahoma State's gonna turn it around. Gundy's had two weeks to like chew these guys out for not playing well. I think the offensive line, they're, they're, I mean, even as depleted as they were last year, they got it figured out. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to get it figured out to an extent. I don't think they're going to, but I don't, I don't think we're going to have one of those, you know, 200 yard rushing games like we've had the last couple of seasons. But I think I'm, I'm leaning 28 24 Oklahoma State on this one. I've been kind of, I've been going pretty back and forth on it. And also, one thing to note, be uh, on second and long. I think you saw this from our buddy uh, Philip, aka O OK TXAR Poke, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas Poke, uh, fellow Cowboys right for free uh, contributor. These were on second down and long, second and 12, run two yards, second and 12, quarterback run five yards, second and 10, run three yards, second and 10, run two yards, second and 15, run two yards, second and 11, interception, second and 10, run no gain. Second and 10, run three yards. Second and 10, run zero yards. Second and 10, pass 21 yards. Second and 10, run nine yards, penalty. Second and 10, run two yards. Second and nine, run one yard. Second and eight, run one yard. Second and 11, run 11 yards. So if they can just not do that, 
they could be a little more less predictable with the play calling, then so they they should I, be fine. I've seen Gundy do this before and it's bitten him in the past. Uh, Central Michigan comes to mind where he's like, I'm going to make sure they know what they're doing and he'll just overdo something. And then he's expects he expects him to break through and doesn't. I don't expect the play calling to be like that this game because I mean Boise is a real team. I mean, no offense to Tulsa, but y'all did lose to an FCS school. Granted, we almost did too, but still, Tulsa. <laughs> it's you know Missouri State. Those aren't real teams. This is a real team. I mean, they don't like their only two losses last year to were were to number eleven and number twenty four. Uh, when they played them, uh, number 11 BYU and number 24 San Jose. I mean, they are a real team, and I think Gundy's Gundy's always played close to the chest, especially out of conference because he wants to keep the playbook tight. And I kind of see that with a new, new ish offensive coordinator, but I expect the full playbook to be on. They're hitting, I think they'll put up points, and if they're not, they won't. I, I think it has to be, and I'll, I'll go ahead and get in my prediction. I've been having a you know back and forth kind of in my head, if OSU plays like they did the past two weeks, Boise State wins easily. However, if they play to their potential, Oklahoma State will win. I have a feeling that they will play a lot better and they'll play up to their potential, but I think it's still going to be very, very close. I think Oklahoma State will win 24-20. I think it's going to come down to the defense once again. I think it might come down to a two-point conversion at the very last second. You got any other like Big 12 games on your uh, schedule to watch weekend? Oh, um, probably uh, Nevada and Kansas State. I think Nevada is going to win that one. I think Nevada is probably a top five group of five right now. And I think with Skylar Thompson out, I think Nevada should have a pretty decent time. And I think they're going to they're going to win that game. What about you? The one I'm looking that I will try to watch if I can is uh, West Virginia, Virginia, sort of a backyard bra. And the spread is super tight. It's like, Mm -hmm. I think West Virginia is favored, like plus two and a half. And with Virginia Tech, who's rain coming off that big win against North Carolina starts season. That's I'm shocked West Virginia is even that close. I I thought it would be a seven point Virginia Tech lead there spread, but I mean, the people in Vegas know what they're doing. So if, they, if they're thinking it's that close, I'm really interested because I haven't heard a lot about West Virginia. I've heard some of that, that chirping about, oh, they're the dark horse to win and da-da-da-da. But, like, West Virginia hasn't been good for a while. So I'm like, maybe. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I like Neil Brown out of West Virginia. I think Virginia Tech's going to win, though. I think I the reason too. why that spread is so, like, so close as it is, is because West Virginia is hosting and that crowd's going to be very hostile. I think the last two games, Virginia Tech's been home with the crowd, inner Sandman, all of that. But now they got to go into West Virginia where it's country roads and screw your inner Sandman, you know? Yeah, I mean, so that that's the Big 12 game I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm curious to see if Florida can hang with Bama in the rest of, the rest of it. I don't think they can, but... I, I, I don't think uh, they can either. You know, they're, they're doing okay. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see what Iowa State does against UNLV. I think, like, they got to come back. That was a bad. see how they bounce back. They looked mm-hmm. bad against Iowa. And, then I was, and talk about looking bad. The beatdown Arkansas put on Texas. I hate rooting for the SEC, but I will root over them, over Texas, every damn day. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! That that made me laugh. That put a little chuckle, made me chuckle, made me happy, made me smile. 
all sorts of stuff, man. I, I, I thought that was hilarious. Like I had really been paying attention because like uh, Saturday I was at my nephew's uh, first birthday party down in Houston and like we got, and so I finally got back to my hotel. And I'm like hanging out. I'm like, I'll just go. There's a, like a sports bar nearby. I walked in and like Arkansas's up by like 15. I'm like, oh, wow. All right. And there's all like, obviously be down in Houston. There's all these Texas fans. I was like, go Arkansas. I'm like, you like Arkansas? I'm like, no, I just hate Texas. <laughs> man, oh man. I, it's going to be funny when they go to the SEC and uh, it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a little bit, and it's going to be funny watching them go like five and seven, probably out of the year. And we're just like, well, hey. Also, can I can I fire off a a Big Twelve take real quick with expansion? You might right. do that real quick. Yeah, yeah. So I think with the Big Twelve, I I don't like that the Big Twelve is still around. I think Oklahoma, it, it was Oklahoma State's best interest to leave and join a Power Five conference if they could. With Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU joining. It, it just it looks like, you know, a, the American Athletic Conference. It really is. The Big 12 is the island of misfit toys. And Houston, UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati, they're Rudolph, UConn Cornelius, and the elf that's, a, you know, wants to be a dentist, right? It's just that they're, they're holding all of their hopes on them. And friggin' UConn Cornelius almost died. So I, I just I don't like the look. It, I think it devalues the Big 12 significantly. Yeah, I actually kind of wanted them to go to an, like the Big 8 and just have major schedules against the other conferences for their non-conference. Like, let's play four games against the SEC, then we'll play four games against the Pac-12. I think that would have been a better brand. But, I mean, if, if Bowlesby is to be believed from what he's heard, like what I've heard him say on like, uh, ESPNU on Sirius, they're not done. They're going to 16. I can almost guarantee it. The Big 12 is going to 16. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have to in order to just like, keep it be going. I, but uh, I mean, I will say that I, yeah, the Pac 12 would make a lot of sense because Oklahoma State would be easily the second best mm-hmm. team in, in there. But after a while, there you do have to consider that these are still student athlete kids. In flying, like that time change is hard. Uh, you know, exp- you know, I, I've had to go central time zone, West Coast for work multiple times. That's tough. I've done East Coast, West Coast. I mean, it, it destroys your body. And then they got to come back and still try to be students. And I think, at least for the most part, this is the best thing for the student. Probably. Um, I think the Big 12, Big 10, I mean, the Big 10 could have worked. Um, just in terms of yeah, wrestling, they're, they're super they're elite about like only AAU schools or whatever it is. Yeah, that was the tough part. So, but, but so, so I something I was so the only reason Oklahoma State doesn't qualify for that is because was I don't American Academic Universities or whatever a, that stands for. Um, they don't count ag dollars as research dollars. That's the only reason Oklahoma State doesn't qualify. Man, they got Iowa and Nebraska. Like those are they got the medical schools too. That's so all that medical research money is is but if but if Oklahoma State's ag dollars counted, they would qualify, but they don't. That'd be nice if ag dollars could qualify. That because that just that makes sense if ag dollars qualify. Oh well. All right. Well, (laughs) 
Let's hit up some of the other things going on in the Oklahoma State universe. Uh, Miranda Ellish, a senior transfer from Texas, joins the Cowgirl softball team, who has been on the rise the last three or four years. And she is a absolute monster from both sides. She can, I think she had like 18 shutouts last season, hit like 400. Like she is an absolute beast and that could be like the thing that they need to get over the hump against them and you know, yeah i not, think not getting that screwed over last year in the co- women's college world series and to play it like one in the morning or whatever it was and then that was so I, terrible like well good news with that well hey i had to cover that game as a fill-in for, uh, at my previous uh work place um but they added two extra days to the schedule for next year. So good indeed. Um, and then B, it adds um, just having another pitcher along with Maxwell and along with uh, Morgan Day from Illinois State. That helps a lot because now that's a rotation of three people that you could use every series. You can you like you can go Maxwell, uh, Day, Ellish. Right. And this crazy thing Friday about through soft- Sunday and it works. That's the crazy thing about softballs. Mm-hmm. They can pitch both ends of a double hit you know, double or double header if they have to. I mean, that's, it's like, yeah. that was weird to me coming from like the baseball world. Cause like I've known about softball and I've watched it some, but now that Oklahoma state's been getting good the last three or four years, I've been watching a lot more of it. And I'm just like, Oh wow, that is insane what they can do. Yeah. No, I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. And the crowds there are great. Uh, I mean, the stadium holds like 750 people, but it feels like a thousand. Uh, the left deck, the left field deck down there is is awesome. Um, and I'm excited for this upcoming softball season because the cowgirls are going to continue. Yeah, I'm going to make a weekend trip to, to Stillwater in like four days. Like when baseball, softball, and football's going, like hit all three. Maybe basketball yeah. if I can sneak it in. They got a, they got a couple of fall games, I think. Uh, I think LSU travels down or something like that. Yeah. I mean, normally baseball and softball have some form of fall schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, they believe they do. I'll go look up that OSU softball fall schedule real quick. But um, I, I don't know uh, the baseball's fall schedule just yet. But, okay, it looks like uh, LSU is at LSU. But there are there's several games. Uh, one September 23rd against – I'm not sure who. I think, I think it's like a D2 school. Same thing with September 26th. And then October 3rd is against West Texas. October 9th is against Oklahoma Christian. October 13th is against North Texas and October 20th is against Wichita state. They have a road game at Tulsa as well, October 6th, but that's, that's the softball fall schedule. Not bad. And the, uh, the cowgirl golf team stomped all over to win the uh, same golden invitation, 13 strokes. Massive. That is, yeah. that is even that kind of domination is rare. And especially coming off that runner up uh, last mm-hmm. year to, I think was it Duke. No, they beat Duke, didn't they? Pepperdine? No, that was men's. Uh, I, I'm trying, like, yeah. I thought it, I, I thought it was. Oh, wait, no, no, no. It was Old Miss. Oh, it was Old Miss. Yeah. I believe. But yeah. I mean, so that is really, that's a really good showing to like, that, I mean, that's walking away territory. And you don't generally do that in golf. Four or five strokes, sure. 13 against, you know, real schools. I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, obviously, excuse me. Obviously, Oklahoma State golf is good is a mainstay here. I mean, right. they're practically golf university. So I think that it is going to 
it's going to be a fun season in golf. We'll definitely Both sides. bring in bring in the updates. Like, and the men played at uh, played at Pebble and did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I couldn't imagine playing at Pebble Beach. That is like one of those. As a longtime golfer, that is one of the places. Like, if I could ever play, I would probably cry. No lie, probably cry on the first. Season. It's that. It's that. Like Pebble Beach is probably the second second most famous golf course behind uh, Augusta in the U.S. Yeah. In the U.S., yeah, because like all those, I feel like all the spiritual open courses are the same. Like there's St. Andrews, and then there's like everything else. Yeah, but I mean, but you got St. Andrews, which is, you I mean that and that and Augusta are like the two, right? Like sort of the mm-hmm. two meccas of golf. I mean, there's some other amazing golf courses in the U.S., but like Pebble and Augusta are like the two. Like, and I live really close to Augusta now, so I'm like, man, how do I get tickets? <laughs> I gotta go oh, <laughs> at least man. once. You gotta. You got it if you're down there. That's just a heck of a time. Yeah. Like I live like three hours from there. It's like, so it'd be an easy drive. Nice. Nice. Awesome. So so before we get to, which will be a continuous uh, thing on our Thursday podcast, before we get to our tracks that slap, we got to say goodbye to one of the funniest men I've ever heard. Mr. Norm McDonald. RIP, my friend. Man. I know Norm is before my time. I still know what's up with Norm, man. Like probably one of the most witty, the witty, one of the most witty comics ever. Just the way he would like throw comebacks at like talk show hosts, and then just kind of some of the stuff he came out of like midair. I watched the uh, his roast on Bob Saget, where it was him reading like a 1950s like joke book or something for like 1950s roast. And it, it killed just the, the little stuff that he did like that, where you just don't expect it. And it somehow still works. Is mm-hmm. that, that's what made him great. He's definitely good. So one of the things where oddly enough that I know him from is from high stakes poker. Cause he was one of the hosts on that show for a long time, which I love because mm-hmm. I was, I used to play a lot of poker, but what I loved about him is you never knew if he was just talking to you or telling a joke. Cause he yeah. just had the same <laughs> t- timbre with his voice just and it was hilarious all the time like you never heard him laugh like it was just amazing uh he was a, he was one of the good ones mm-hmm. all right ian what you got oh, man, oh, man. your track that slaps to get people going into the weekend oh man uh how can we do we have to do one or can i go with two i got two that i'm kind of all right yeah. splitting it between go for it Two, uh, so the first one is uh, Hurricane by uh, Kanye West uh, from the Donda album. I don't know why that song, that song just hits different. And I, I, I think it's has something to do with, like, you know, the way it's produced. You know, he has the weekend on it. And that's just, I don't know. It's, it's just a really good song. And then my last one is uh, Route 66 by Jack Harlow. Uh, that that one is just like a good like head banger, just just kind of jam out to it. That that one's always fun. So listen to the clean version. <laughs> so I just gotta me, clarify that. Listen to the clean version. So for me, the uh, my first one is going to be uh, "Dark All Day" by Gunches. Uh, dark synth wave, amazing epic. That uh, if you like saxophone, man, it's got this tr- this saxophone track that'll just melt your face. Off. Fantastic, and also 100% recommend the video. It's so good. So mm-hmm. yeah, if, if you want to get some like techno EDM going in your earphones, put that on. I dig it. Okay, might have to send me the link to that later. All right. Well, cowboys and cowgirls, thank you for coming out, Ian. As always, a good time. 
And we will see y'all on Monday, assuming that I can talk. Please be able to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody.